Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. Oh, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the OPP. I'm your host, Sean McCormick. You can find me on Instagram at McCormick. Why would you follow me on Instagram at McCormick? Because I post about all sorts of cool biohacking things. I do show reviews. I do coaching content. I post pictures of my chickens that I have, and, my, and I post pictures of the sunsets and my kids. And um, also, I get a little bit of opinionated on there. So check me out. On today's episode, we're joined by Alex Tarnava, and he is the founder and CEO of Drink HRW, and HRW stands for Hydrogen Rich Water. So let me be frank with you. I'll be Sean, but I'll speak frankly. I have stayed away from the hydrogen water devices, and I won't name them just because that's not nice, but there are a lot of devices out there that, that claim to enrich water with hydrogen, and the benefits of hydrogen, uh, the claims, which there are many, many, many of them, uh, range from metabolic uh, enhancement to uh, neurological protection to increased athletic performance to you know, um, just overall boost in vitality. And so uh, I have, for some reason or another, have just, it didn't seem right to me, the, the devices. Uh, it turns out that those devices are not as effective as tablets uh, to enrich your water with hydrogen. When you uh, use the devices, sometimes you get something like 0.5 parts per million of hydrogen in the water that you're drinking. Drink HRW, these tablets uh, are 12. Think about that. The jump from 0.5 to 12. That's a pretty big jump. Just a quick heads up. In this episode, it takes us quite a while to actually get to the specific benefits of the the tablets and hydrogen-rich water. We talk a little bit about it in the beginning, but it's really at about the 52-minute mark where we go to specifics about how uh, hydrogen tablets work and the benefits. So if you want to skip ahead, um, um, you're welcome to do so. So in this episode, we talk all about the benefits of hydrogen-rich water. We talk about what it did for Alex, how he found his way into creating these tablets, and how he is uh, a manufacturer who actually makes other hydrogen tablets for other companies, and really fascinating person. I really enjoyed our conversation because we talk about skepticism about wellness products. We really sort of broke it down like, you know, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things about a lot of different products, and uh, he's a skeptic too. And so when the guy who's making uh, hydrogen tablets for your water is also like has a critical eye on things, that means to me that, uh, that he knows what he's talking about. So uh, there's a ton of studies. There's a ton of clinical studies. They're, they're the Drink HRW guys are in a phase three clinical trial for reducing hospitalizations in the 60-plus populations in France uh, for... COVID. Um, amazing, incredible products, this hydrogen-rich water. Eight, uh, hydrogen acts as like an adaptogen, so it's uh, regulating the different systems of your body. We talk all about it. I think you're really going to love this episode, um, and you should take me up and take him up on the special offer. If you go to drinkhrw.com, and you can kind of look at the different products. They have they have products for um, 
you can soak like your foot or take a bath in this uh, and soak it through your skin if you have like body soreness. And you can also drink it as a water, which is what I've been doing. It is an, an immediate boost of energy. Like it is way better. Well, uh, it can be used as a coffee alternative and also um, helps gut and your metabolism. So um, in addition to those products, it's in, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I don't get that excited about um, consumables, you know, uh, that often. But this stuff I really, really like. And uh, for me, it is like this it, it really quick, noticeable boost in my vitality. So go to drinkhrw.com and use the code OPP for 10% off. It is absolutely worth a try. If you have been feeling like you're dragging ass and you're tired and cranky and you've got no energy, you should give this a try. Uh, it's, it's super worth it. And uh, yeah, take my word for it. Uh, all right, everybody. Um, Enjoy the episode with Alex Tarnava. Before we jump into the episode, I just want to say thank you. Um, thank you for listening to this episode and thank you for listening to this podcast. There are so many amazing podcasts out there. There is so much great information on wellness and vitality and um, I love them as much as you do and I really appreciate you listening to this this podcast. Uh, it really does mean a lot and I, and I really love connecting with people on a one-to-one -one basis and, and a lot of you have just said what's up on Instagram and I really appreciate that. Uh, if you want to learn more about what I'm doing besides this one podcast, you can go to seanmccormick.com. Soon we're going to be implementing all the podcast stuff onto that platform um, but that's where um, all of my coaching stuff is and you can read my blog about blogging about carnivore, or my experience with the X3 bar, um, working from home tips, all the this stuff and um, it's a really great way to sort of learn more about the things that I do. If you're interested in coaching, if you've thought, well, Sean, I like the way that Sean kind of thinks about things and approaches the world, uh, let me know. You can email me, sean at seanmccormick.com, and we can connect that way. Also, one more thing before we jump in, I really do appreciate um, the support. Uh, the way that this episode, the way that this podcast continues to move forward is by the uh, by the ads, by the sponsors, and um it is important that if you want to find a way to support this episode, God, I keep saying episode, support this podcast, uh, I really do, you can do it in two ways. One way is to purchase the products with the discount codes um, because that helps support this this podcast. I get commissions on, on some of these products, not all of them. And um, the other way is to leave reviews. If you are, if, if, if something in this episode really resonates with you, just do me a favor and do your friends a favor and just share it with them. Just text it to them or, or share it on social media and tag me. You know, it's something that I do fairly frequently just to support the episodes uh, that I love and the podcasters that I love. So I really appreciate if you do the same thing. Okay, everybody, let's jump into the episode. And we're here with Alex Tarnava, who's the CEO of Drink HRW and the inventor of hydrogen tablets. Alex, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we turn the mics on, we realize that we've kind of, we know a lot of people, you know, people who have been listening since the Ryan Muncy days will know Ryan and um, people who have bought and purchased Natural Stacks products may be familiar with the hydrogen tablets from Stacks Day offerings. Um, so it's, this is cool. Like this is our first time meeting together, but we kind of have been running parallel. So it's nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. So uh, I think I want to start... Um, I want to start at the very beginning, uh, which is how on earth did you 
get to invent something as unique as a hydrogen uh, tablet? All right. Uh, do you want the long or the short or the middle? <laughs> Give me the middle. Okay. So uh, basically, you know, I, I was, um, you know, an amateur competitive athlete, uh, you know, six, seven years ago, um, kind of in the prime of my athletic condition. I was training six plus hours a day between martial arts and CrossFit and then my own little side trainings. And um, basically, I, I developed, um, you know, osteoarthritis in my left shoulder rapidly, abruptly. Um, and and uh, that was a consequence of, of getting sick. And they don't know what caused me to get sick, but I was really sick for, for weeks, like sudden onset narcolepsy, you know. Um, I, I had like something like 70 times higher C-reactive proteins than in a healthy individual, right? Um, you know, I, I was like severely anemic despite eating tons of red meat and like, you know, dark green vegetables and everything. It was really, really bizarre. Um, and my best friend and roommate at the time was similarly sick. You know, he was also a guy that, you know, top 10 to triathlon, Spartan races, stuff like that. And he was off work for like three weeks with pneumonia and had to go to the hospital a couple of times. So something took us down and it took us both down hard and in different ways. And when the dust settled, I just all of a sudden was better in the period of a few days from one blood test to the other. But within a couple of weeks after that, my shoulder was in intense pain. You know, an x-ray showed that just in a short period, I had developed osteoarthritis. Um, so at that time I was, you know, using, you know, traditional treatments. I was getting uh, injections, cortisone injections. Um, I was taking like a thousand milligrams of naproxen a day. Um, but I knew those weren't long-term solutions. And I was just scouring PubMed for anything that could regulate the inflammatory response. Um, hydrogen came up and I bought this machine that cost like five grand to make hydrogen water. Um, well, that machine didn't work because when uh, I basically developed ulcers from all the naproxen and started painting in the gym, you know, a few times in one week. And when I stopped, my shoulder froze completely. And uh, that kind of annoyed me because I just spent five grand on this machine that I thought was, you know, helping. And uh, it obviously wasn't. And I was scouring PubMed again. And I saw more and more studies coming up using molecular hydrogen. And that really pissed me off. But then when I started reading more of the methods and looking like at the doses and durations and everything, I'm like, well, what dose am I getting? Because the sales reps never told me, you know, and I, I, I didn't even really think about it at the time. Um, so I ended up sort of testing the water in the machine and it was like not detectable, right? I actually had to triple the input to detect, you know, 0.1 parts per million of hydrogen in the water. So it was like 0.03, you know, ppm of hydrogen and um you know the minimum dose ever observed to be effective is like 0.5 right so it's like 15 times higher and our tablets deliver about 12 right so it's you know exponentially lower than what we know to be effective now so basically the machine was a big paperweight you know a piece of garbage right um and because they never told me the dosage i couldn't get a refund they're like well it is elevated you know, so just kind of a scam. Um, well, 
I started looking for other options and, you know, finding various um, products that, that use magnesium, like magnesium rods and all this stuff. And um, I still wasn't getting very good levels. You know, I was getting like 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 um, PPM. And I started experimenting my own, you know, kitchen. And I was able to get some of these products up towards like two, even three, you know, parts per million with pretty extreme modifications and, you know, um, doing things that, that were causing thermoses to explode in my fridge and damage things, right? Like from building up too much pressure. And on top of that, these companies were really, really shady at the time. Like I already didn't want to support them because um, they were making claims about like curing cancer and all this stuff. It was like really, you know, um, it was when, when the industry was super embryonic and there was all these shady players, you know, making products that were no good. And um, it, it gets even deeper. Like, you know, when I got into the industry, I started testing some of these products and they're high in heavy metals, all this stuff, you know, people making, you know, tablets not like mine. Mine are the only, I'm the only one who's figured out how to make it like an open vessel so you can just drop and drink. But other people had made tablets that you either swallow, which is an exothermic reaction in your stomach. It can be potentially hazardous, cause ulcers, you know, potentially things like that. Others make ones that you have to seal in a bottle and wait a day for it to build up and make hydrogen. Um, some of the reports I've found, you know, like the testing I've done, they, they've had like abnormally high heavy metals, like potentially like definitely violating California laws, for instance. Um, then word of mouth stories I've heard, like, you know, they didn't know how to get the legal approval to use a magnesium. So they're buying off like, you know, third hand retailers of like, you know, fireworks manufacturers and stuff like never intended to be used in food anyways that's this <laughs> um these companies were super shady and some of them were even soliciting me to like join their mlms you know like i'm buying as a customer and i'm getting phone calls because these companies have given my information you know to their downlines to try and recruit me and i'm like you know what i want no part you know of these these people or to support their business. Um, so I just started as a do-it-yourself project. And, uh, um, you know, halfway through getting it down, I thought to myself, I understand this stuff well enough, but I want to make sure I'm not, you know, a Darwin Award winner and, you know, magnesium metal and, and hydrogen are both explosive, right? So I want to make sure I'm not blowing myself up in my kitchen and I found my founding partner, Dr. Holland. He's a, he's a PhD chemist from the pharmaceutical industry, um, runs a team for, a, a, you know, um, for a, a large pharmaceutical company. So um, at first he told me it was the worst pseudoscience he'd ever heard in his life. But after I kept on sending him more and more research on it, um, showing him kind of like the results, he said, well, there might be something to this. And he started reviewing what I was doing. We went back and forth. We got a working prototype in like three weeks. Um, then scaling up and like making, you know, producing was, was a real challenge because as soon as we had to modify formulas to get it to run on a machine, make millions instead of just make 10, you know, with a little hand press and a mortar and pestle, it went from taking three weeks to a couple thousand iterative adjustments and 15 failed scale-up attempts over more than a year until we got our first production ready 
tablet. So wow. By that time, we'd put so much in. We're like, you know, we, we got to commercialize. Oh my gosh! All right, cool. Uh, so so many side questions. Uh, so you were so committed. Something about the concept of hydrogen water was so resonant with you. Um, well, that- oh, sorry, I forgot that part. When, when yeah. I did like rigging up these solutions that were exploding in my fridge, my shoulder unfroze. Oh. So I was getting kind of like the three ppm, and I was drinking like two, three liters of this stuff a day, chugging it down. Wow. My my shoulder unfroze in like a week. Wow. Right. So that was kind of like the proof of concept. Like, there we it go. It works. Like, it went from I couldn't put on a shirt properly because my shoulder was full blown frozen to like I couldn't go back to compete anymore. But like, my pain was down. I was sleeping better. Yeah. You know, my shoulder loosened up. So I'm like, man, like, this stuff worked and it worked quickly for me, right? Nobody else is doing this ethically. And that's kind of what drove me to, to get it done. Yeah. I love this, man. This is like the classic end of one biohacker finds a solution, tinkers around. Nobody's got the right answers. And then you say, fuck it. I'm just going to do it myself. I'll figure out how to do it right. But the, 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 I'm, I'm fascinated by, cause I, I, I think a lot of the listeners will be familiar with the purported benefits of hydrogen water. I think, I think a lot of people have heard of it in the different manufacturers and seen like the beautiful, you know, swirling tech and the demonstrations, you know, we won't name any names of course, but uh, unless you want to, but, but you uh, were, I mean, I, I make privacy brands too, right? So I've got my company, right. And I make different types of tablets for about 50 different brands in the market. Some have me on their podcast and mention me by name. Others don't, and they try and claim themselves as their own manufacturer. Um, so I can't say who's who, right? But yeah, basically, I my manufacturing arm is the only company, you know, in, in uh, the United States that has legal status with the FDA. Mm. So we're in a really, really small group, only about four percent of companies required to have new dietary ingredient status with the FDA have actually done it. You know, those are industry and FDA estimates. Most people just market illegally without proof of safety, anything like that. So we spent, you know, years putting together a comprehensive report that we filed to the FDA, demonstrating our justification, how we're compliant for safety, every law, you know, in manufacturing, we did this. And this is really, really important. a lot of people end up thinking that uh, there's some sort of conspiracy because as soon as ingredients are shown to be working, the FDA sometimes shuts them down, right? And this is actually written into law and it's the negligence of the supplement industry as mm. to why this happens, right? If something is investigated as an investigational new drug and if US researchers start clinical trials on an ingredient, right? They have to, for a disease purpose, they have to file something called the IND, an investigational new drug application, right? Just to get the clinical trial started. So all these supplement manufacturers, like ingredient manufacturers that have potentially beneficial ingredients, they don't do their due diligence and file as a new dietary ingredient or file as, you know, generally regarded as safe, but that, that, loophole for grass for supplements closed a few years ago. It has to be an NDI now, meaning as soon as researchers or a drug company or anyone files as an investigational new drug, it becomes illegal to market as a supplement. 
So it's no conspiracy, it's just negligence, right? However, conversely, if you file an NDI and you're on record as a new dietary ingredient, right? Even if you file INDs, you could file a thousand INDs after the fact, and it's remained legal to market as a supplement forever. You can't make drug claims on it, right? But you could pursue any drug avenue you want and continue to legally sell as a supplement, right? It just took a few years, cost me a few hundred grand, right, to do, but I forever protected my technology. We can always sell as a supplement. We can go down the drug route if we want. Nothing is preventing us from doing that. And, you know, we have a, a lot of clinical trials and preclinical research programs that are going down drug exploration. Like we're, we're not full steam pursuing that at this time, but, you know, um, even on top of, uh, you know, the, the um, you know, the seven clinical trials and, and three case studies that we have published, we have multiple clinical trials underway, some of them in the United States for disease purposes. You know, um, our biggest trial underway right now that we just had, uh, you know, some press about is a phase three clinical trial uh, for for reducing hospitalizations in COVID nineteen. You know, in, in the sixty plus population, wow. and that's being done in France right now. Wow, we actually have three clinical trials underway regarding COVID nineteen right now. Huh. Um, we we have you know a clinical trial. In, uh, we have I think four or five clinical trials being done. You know, out of Stony Brook in New York right now. One's post-stroke recovery that's been underway for a couple of years. Um, they actually published a preclinical trial showing the benefit there, you know, in, in rats doing the same treatment um, after like a simulated stroke. We have one for Parkinson's disease at Stony Brook. We have, you know, another one uh, um, to reduce side effects and improve outcomes in cancer patients on, on you know, radiation and chemo. Wow. So, you know, we've got like a lot of serious research on disease models. We'll never be able to market it unless we go down the drug route there. That's just how the laws work. Sure. But we're happy to support public researchers because none of this is funded, you know, by us to try and push it as a drug. Right. All research teams that are saying like, you know, public universities and hospitals are contacting us and saying, we think this can benefit people. Mm. You know, will you support us? And that's part of our truth and transparency policy that we don't yeah. really believe in privately funded research. I'm actually writing um, yeah. right now um, called, called uh, it's basically on the deterioration of information. In our yes, industry. buddy. Um, and it talks, you know, a little bit about, I mean, everyone's watched like, you know, um, documentaries like The Social Dilemma, you know, see like things like that. We know about the news, but there's the other angles that people don't talk about, like, you know, even from marketing perspective, how sure. marketing teams, how data of marketing companies, how publicists, all of oh, these yeah. influence everything. I mean, I had one publicist get, get uh, uh, an article approved by me in a major publication, but they wrote the article and said, no, you can't change it. It's accepted as it is. So I pulled it, you know, and it, I didn't want it in there because it basically said, uh, you know, that um, I would had, you know, exhibited extreme confidence in my own ability and mission, which isn't true. That's why I surround myself with experts, right? Because I'm searching for truth, <laughs> right? I don't know what I know and trying to prove it. I'm trying to find the truth and the truth is, you know, leading me. And, and I realize that we live in a world where you need experts in every avenue, right? Yeah. You know, the whole concept of Dunning-Kruger, right? You can't know everything all the yeah. time. 
And then they added that to, uh, I, I was, you know, grounded. This confidence came from my deep faith in God. And I'm not religious. And then, <laughs> we, feel the de- we feel the demographic, you know, would like this angle. It's approved as is. You can either, or, you know, reject it. So I rejected it because it just wasn't right. Yeah. And it was free publicity in a major publication, but it just wasn't the right thing to do. Wow. So I see little things like this every day, sure. right? Marketing teams, publicists wanting to tweak my quote, wanting to write my quotes for me, do all this stuff. And I won't do it. Yeah. Like, how do companies do? And how does that change our information? Right. Then we get into, uh, you know, um, we, we get into to say how, how science works, right? And, and you know, how, how academic publishing works and, and all this stuff. And I, I wrote, I think it was like 14,000 words and some of the flaws in the peer review process and scientific publishing and scientific funding. Um, this is going to be a chapter of my book. I'm going to probably double the word count in that section. I've been working on it for about a year and a half now, and I'm running some of my own studies um that, that are going to be pretty large data sets to, to gather this but at every avenue truth is deteriorating right mm-hmm. so it's incredibly hard and i don't believe this is any sort of conspiracy i just think it's human nature sure right everyone wants to do their task you know the the people say on marketing teams that are saying oh you should tweak this and they're going off data they're looking to do their job as good as they can Right. Sure. Publicists sure. wanting to change things is wanting you to get as good of media as you can. Yeah. Everyone is looking to do their job as best they can, which means you know nobody can see the forest through the trees, right? Yeah. Nobody can see the bigger picture because they're so focused on their task. And the same sort of things end up happening in, in science and academic publishing, right? So you it's know? an or, it's an organizational failure rather than of humanity. Of humanity, right. yeah. I I, I want to keep I want to keep going in this because this is super fascinating. I did not expect to go here. A couple of things that are really striking to me. Number one, and and, and I still want to go back to the the the, the properties of and that that, that I, I I really digress because I was going like into we support public research. It's I, good. I, I no. don't have money and I don't sign an agreement. We don't have control over protocol. We don't have to agree to publish. The results get published no matter what. Yeah, that's one of the big flaws I see in science. Yeah, right, is how it can get controlled. And you know, I've been thinking a long time about solutions on, on some of these things. How yeah. to cost down? I mean, just for instance, it's like public teams that have gotten uh, you know quotes for me to do in research that I'm interested in. You know, that they're interested in too, are usually about ten percent or less the cost as when I've con like contacted contract research organizations. Hmm, right? uh, because it's profit built into every level right, right. is that research more flawed but it's profit at every level and then we wonder why it costs one to three billion dollars to get a drug to market because sure. in cro's from start to finish well what if that was a hundred million you know to 300 million? well then our cost of drugs our cost of insurance would be a fraction of the rate right. and we might have more honest outcomes yeah right? what's going on fascinating mm-hmm. Fascinating. I, I, you know, I, I don't remember where I saw this quote, but it was, it was like, there are very few uh, scientists uh, left in the world, um, but there are an abundance of paid researchers. And I thought, oh, like that, that, that does, that does sort of characterize how we get information, what's what, what ingredients are, what the effects are. And I think for, for a guy like yourself, who, 
was trying to solve uh, solve uh, uh, an issue and researched and researched and failed and iterated and iterated and, and kept going and essentially was was committed to find a solution and had that moment where your shoulder unfroze and you're like oh my god hydrogen water actually does do a lot of amazing things this or or i now have this experience of of hydrogen of of hydrogenated water doing something for me that i wanted it to do um then then going from there to developing these products and and to to and growing I, add, it. I i yeah. i hand made prototypes right sat there it would take me about an hour on the hand rest to make a month supply for people and i was spending about 40 hours a month you know giving out samples to people i knew that had issues that i'd seen research that had help for and just you know none of these were legal and i wasn't selling them by any means yeah. giving them out to like friends and family and acquaintances yeah. that you know agreed and knew what i was working on and the overwhelming success of those is part of what gave myself confidence to keep yeah. moving. And I, and I knew that could have been, you know, um, placebo for a lot of people. But, you know, I knew for myself, like the likelihood, like, because I had tangible, like objective outcomes in terms of range of motion, right? That were night and day. It wasn't a little bit, right? So I was pretty high confidence that it wasn't only placebo at play but then as soon as we hit market that's when i worked as hard as i could to find you know objective analysis from third-party researchers that have no financial ties to this and that's how i developed our our clinical outreach program um i think i'm working with uh, 12 or 13 universities right now Um, we have about 15 clinical trials that are underway at various stages seven that are, are completed multiple preclinical research programs underway. Um, and like I said, for all of these, you know, uh, some of them I donate to, others I don't, but in all cases, the researchers have final sign-off on protocol, mm-hmm. right? And final rights on decision to publish, right? And, and that, you know, that that's part of what I talk to, to, you know, when you say that, that paid researchers, I mean, financing issues aren't just from the private sector, they're the public sector. Sure. that researchers get funded, right? Um, I mean, there is no benefit to a researcher to publish null hypotheses, right? So if, if a research team is only publishing that things don't work, they're going to have funding problems, right? Because totally. their research is deemed to be not impactful. Journals also don't really want to publish null findings. Sure, sure. They have to publish the... They have to publish these results that something didn't work in very low impact factor journals. How some of the grants work is they look at the average impact factor and, and you know, the Simago ranking, like, you know, the Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, and say for their grant, they have to publish X amount of papers in a Q1 or Q2 journal, right? And, well, if, if they're trying to, to undermine findings and say, I don't believe this, I'm showing it doesn't work, well, they're going to be publishing in Q3, Q4 journals. Hmm. So not only, right, are, are they having no motivation to do this, they're being asked to be punished. And these are like often publicly funded grant dollars. So we're punishing researchers from t- for telling the truth. Sure, right. right. If they get the results and it doesn't work, well, it might take hours or tens or dozens of hours for them to, to write a manuscript, to format it to how a journal wants. 
then the journal doesn't want to accept null findings, right? They might spend a year reformatting the journal after journal to publish one paper that says something doesn't work. In the meantime, who knows, maybe there was 30 other publications that said this thing doesn't work, right? That didn't get published because the researcher goes, you know, I'll get around to this later. I have more important things to do. I need to get three more papers out in these Q1, Q2 journals to get my next round of funding, right? So there's this tremendous pressure on scientists today to basically publish or perish, right? And not only do they have to publish, but they have to publish in high impact factor journals showing beneficial results. And this completely skews how we, we receive and analyze information. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to read the book because I think it's 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 past due for insight and in, in inquiry into this. And I think for probably, people probably at best a year away, just hey, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, that's all good. Take your time. Don't rush it. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point. But I think I think for people who, you know, especially um my listeners, you know, people who are looking to find effective solutions to increase their health and increase their output and optimize optimize their their performance. Um, hearing from you, um, the inventor of this thing, who is so critical, uh, taking such a critical eye at how important it is to prove and and do good research and do good science. And I've started another. You know, there's a couple of other things I'm working on. Um, uh, basically, one, I, I've sort of my own biohacking reviews for popular devices and everything. And, you know, my marketing team and investors say, you know, we'd make a lot more money if you found some of these things worked. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. right I'm sure. And, and we could like become an affiliate. I'm like, you know what? But that, that undermines the truth, right? Sure. A lot of these are really expensive devices that are pushed by some of the biggest names in biohacking. Yeah. Dive deep into their science. They have none. It's all bullshit. You know, doing studies, doing studies on happy customers, right? That's yeah. Objective outcomes, you know what I mean? And then just adding a lot of scientific sounding jargon throughout their marketing and adding a lot of references that actually aren't a citation for anything that they have or what they're doing, you know, and then I'll run, you know, and my wife has banned me from doing this on her now, but I'd run you know, blinded experiments on her, on myself, right? Or, or at the very least controlled. And when I'm finding I'm like, you know what, this did nothing for these parameters that they say it's going to help. And I, there's no, you know, like lack of data. Like I, I'd run 30 days against 30 days exactly to their protocol and see no difference in like sleep outcomes or, or athletic recovery, you know, doing blood pressure and, you know, various measurements like immediately after you know and doing all this stuff i'm like okay this device is 400 bucks or 2000 bucks or something like this and it really didn't do anything at, at all right yeah. but it's endorsed by all these big names and sure that is their generous affiliate you know? i i so, i i have to tell you how refreshing it is to have this conversation because uh, I love biohacking gear. I love, uh, you know, I'm wearing a, a, a biogeometry pendant, uh, designed by Dr. Ibrahim Karim, this Egyptian freaking genius, you know, I've, uh, in my office here, I have 
like 30 different things from plasma generators to mood enhancing necklaces and so forth. Um, I, if you're open to it, I'd love to go down this rabbit hole with you and, and name some names. Are, are you, are you open to doing that today? Um, name some names of products. I mean, the ones I've reviewed, I mean, some of the ones I haven't reviewed a lot of, I've reviewed half a dozen, but I'm actually starting out, or I, I've started it already, but we aren't live yet. A not-for-profit called MyJourney.Science, right? And we have a number, um, you know, of PhD MDs on it. Um, it's slow going, especially during the pandemic. We've all had so many other obligations. But what this is going to be it is a database of end ones, right? That people basically um, they they will register their end one as a case study, right, on our site. This is what I'm testing. This is what I'm going to do. And it's not just bioreactive devices. You know, it'll be diets. It'll be various supplements. No brand mentions, but just like ingredient dose, that kind of thing. But it's going to keep a database of um, how often it works for people, right? What it's doing. Does it have side effects? So many of these things. We don't know if they're effective, but we also don't know if they're harmful because there isn't enough data on, on any of this stuff. And a lot of researchers are mining for data right now. They're looking through Reddit and Twitter and, you know, things like that to try and track to see what people are complaining about and saying, because there just isn't enough post-marketing data on drugs, let alone, you know, supplements that are widely unregulated. Um, so we're doing this. We're, we're in the template writing phase. You know, we're, we're debating a lot of the templates back and forth because we don't want to get it wrong. Your data is only as good as what you collect. Right. So if you're asking the wrong questions, you know, if you're collecting the wrong data, then it's useless. So we're going to start adding these templates and people will be able to do this, track their results, track their information. Then you can say, go and see, you know, fasting, you know, at, at 48 hours. Right. Someone does that once a week. Right. Does this improve their, you know, um, metabolic outcomes? Right. What tests did they do? And we can start getting it, right? And we can start looking at into things like um, various biohacks and supplements. Like, okay, this worked in 60% of people, right? And has no side effects, right? Now, you know, at that time, we'd allow, uh, basically what we'd have is people could upload their genetic reports too, if they choose to, right? That, that is kept confidential. But then if a research team says, huh, this is really interesting. This seems to work in 60% of people. How much genetic data? you have, right? And if people are, are consenting to uploading this, and it would only be available to public researchers, public researchers go in and say, well, it looks like, you know, people with, with these genet genetic traits or genetic, you know, these alleles or variants or whatever um, are, are responding or not responding to this. And then they can start doing studies. And it's going to be a not-for-profit. We're going to sell, or like, we're going to sell placebos, take donations, stuff like that. But all the money we raise above operating costs will be donated to these research groups who want to study things from the data we're collecting to just keep the information cycle going. Because say a genetic response study, that could cost millions of dollars, right? But we could crowd collect a lot of basic information. I mean, hundreds of millions, if not billions of people are wearing wearable technologies every day, right? We just need to teach them the basics about how to try one thing at a time and look for outcomes, right? Because too often people go, you know what? I want to get healthier. I want to be a biohacker. I'm going to do all these 10 things at once, right? Yeah, and for sure. One thing 
at a time, did this work for me? Right? Because say we have all this wide evidence on hydrogen, right? But hydrogen doesn't work for every person. You know, the data shows at best at the right dosages and concentrations, it maybe has about an 80% responder rate, which is similar to things like creatine and caffeine, right? A lot of drugs might work on 30%, 40%, 50%, 80% of people. They're not going to work for everyone. And they might have side effects on a small subset of people. And this is what we're really starting to learn. We're using big data to find that we need more, you know, independent like data, you know, targeted to each person, right? So we're kind of coming in a circle, but we're coming back to personalized medicine, right? With big data in hand. I love right? that. Oh man, I, I, I love this. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working with, uh, working with a team. It's not the same. It's complimentary. I think um, it's called virtual biohacking assistant and um, it aims to do some, some similar things as the, the future of personal health is going to be individualized. It's going to be data-driven and it's going to be based on um, the metrics of, of diagnostic tools and blood work and stool work, uh, stool tests and, and urine tests. So we, we know that medicine is becoming more and more remote we know that the, your family doctor that you grew up seeing since you were a kid is probably not super hip on you know cutting edge scientific endeavors and, and technologies. And it's nor can they be right. And it's not a knock against them, but you know the, the totally the I, I I love this idea because most people just have nowhere to start. They they go down a WebMD rabbit hole. They use Google to do research, and Google is feeding them bullshit after bullshit and you have to sift through the bullshit to figure it out you know after the panda updates and uh, and 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 the, the the massive restructuring of how natural health was searched um through google there's it's a not even natural health it's you know um pharmaceutical research like everything like everything has been completely you know restructured I, I right think a, if it wasn't last, i'm losing track of time it was either last june or the june before right but i remember it was a june it, it's different. It's, it's, it's changed forever. I mean, I mean, companies that, you know, your companies uh, probably were also affected. I mean, yeah, I mean, right? we, were, we were hit hard uh, back in December. There was a, a Google update back in December and, and it was interesting because we were hit by, by, you know, this update that, that uh, looks at like credibility, credentials, you, you know, um, trustworthiness, all these things. And our SEO team just looked at it. And that's another thing I'm going to dive, dive into in my book is SEO, because they always want to change your phrase and change it to fit into a Google phrase. Because they're trying to hit these phrases that people are searching for, but changing your phrasing slightly could completely change the meaning of what you're trying to say. So sites just allow their SEO team to run through, and now your information is wrong, right? Because an SEO optimizer changed wording slightly and it means the same thing to them but it might not it might completely mean something completely different in context right totally. what's being written. yeah um but i mean we just had to go in it was a little things like uh, because we're talking about like you know um health topics we had to add uh every single one of our contributors is published right like yeah, peer-reviewed academic publications i'm the only one who's not a phd or md so we had to do things like but full bios at the top of all of our articles with like date and update, you know, dates, right? And like 
photos and links to our research gates and Google scholars and things like that, because Google just deemed us untrustworthy, right? So hopefully this half million words of content we have that is all well-cited, well-researched, you know, overwhelmingly not controversial, you know, at all, right? Um, written by, by, you know, published individuals, hopefully we won't be deemed untrustworthy in the next update in like a month, but you never know with Google. Well, it, yeah, it's, oh man, this is, there. this is, this, it's complex, right? Because to a certain extent, there's a lot of people selling stuff online, um, consumables that shouldn't because they they're they haven't been proven to be healthy. So there's a lot of there's a lot of quackery. There's a lot of claim unsubstantiated claims. So I on that hand, I get I understand the most powerful searching, uh, the the most powerful search engine on the planet wants to make wants to protect people in a certain way, make sure that they're not being pointed in direction of something that's that's un, that's not only ineffective potentially unhelpful. On the other hand, we know we know the connection between Google and Big Pharma. We already understand uh, where the money so, and a lot of these sites that are trustworthy, you know, yeah. hire content writers of the Philippines that right. aren't don't have professional you know training, and they basically just replicate what they've seen. Like Healthline might replicate what they saw on. on you know, um, on, uh, I'm losing my train of thought, but uh, yeah, you know, the mainstream like WebMD or something, you know what right. I mean? It all could be completely inaccurate and easily shown to be completely inaccurate, right? right. But, and, and that's another thing how, how SEO works and publicists know this is if there's already a consensus in publications about something, even if it is factually wrong, right? <laughs> The next publications want to replicate that. They might do a slight change, but they can't completely contradict all the other changes because Google's algorithm will say, you're the outlier. Right. You're the outlier. We're going to punish you. Right. right? So I've come into that. Like, you know, articles not understanding the difference between hydrogen gas and hydrogen ions, and they're just completely wrong. Like, don't even understand high school level chemistry on it. But because there's 10 publications saying that, right the next one doesn't want to correct it because they risk having themselves punished for not being with consensus yeah and it's a really dangerous system in in information and again i don't think google is up to any conspiracy i think they look at certain things as problems and they're trying to fix things in their algorithms to find solutions but the problems are so so nuanced right there's problems on each side that when they make fixes they're creating conspiracy theories and not actually fixing a large part of the the problem and mm. how we generate and assess information yeah oh man i really can't you got to hurry up on this book man don't tell me it's a year away i want <laughs> i can't wait to read up on it well on on that note what what health resources you know i i have the ones that i'm that I'm fond of, you know, people, um, organizations that I, I really appreciate how they, how they present health information. And, you know, you can't even say natural health anymore. Now natural health is like a bad word or alternative health, even holistic health is like now fringe and it's fucked up and it makes me angry. What, what, what sources do you, do you like? It's tough, right? Um, sometimes websites really disappoint me and sometimes they, they, 
surprise me. You know what I mean? So there'll be ones that are like, okay, this is good, but all of a sudden they try and cover too many things and they become not very good, right? Or other times uh, they're usually awful, but have one one article that's really well written. So I, I don't really want to name any resource as Fair enough. is a universal good resource. I think the problem comes down to you, you can't be an expert in everything, right? And you, you can't even have a team on most of these sites that you can be an expert in everything. <laughs> so when, when we're moving to this age of competing for content and information and all these things, every website is under such tremendous pressure, right? To, to churn out more and more content, right? To compete against everyone else that their quality starts being diluted, right? Sure. They fall into, okay, we're going to churn out 12 to 1800 words in this topic you know, get this person with the Bachelor of Science to write it. What's that person do? They look at four other sites and they just word it a bit differently. And, you know, either the bulk of the information was wrong everywhere or it was right everywhere. Or it was half right, half wrong. And so we just get this regurgitation going on as everyone is trying to say similar things and word it differently to keep up with the never-ending dissemination of just blah. Other <laughs> than saying things good and then you get um you know to people who do say things really well and are writing really good articles but uh then the more they write the worse it becomes and that was one of my fears right i, I started writing because there were topics i was passionate about i knew a lot about but you know, as my team to say, well, we need to have regular newsletter schedule. Like we need to do one of yeah. week, two a week. And I'm like, man, some of these I'm writing are like, you know, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 word, 30,000 word, even like, you know, series. So then we start splitting them apart, you know, then it's pressure. And then it's like, I get busy on like working on a, a study or something or on the business side. They're like, we don't have something for next Friday. Sure. You know I mean, I'm like, man, like, so now I have to come up with an idea, yeah. turn something up for next Friday. Sure. So I started trying to get way ahead on it. But then I just said to myself, I don't want this kind of pressure. At the same time, I know people reading will become disengaged if we don't have new things yeah. to talk about every week. And that's why I started bringing in um, a, a lot of other writers, you know, and working on topics that they were confident you know, I read them, review them. I, I want to make sure that uh, uh, I don't have to agree with what they say, right? Because they're an expert in their field. And, you know, if I had to agree with what they said, that kind of undermines the whole purpose. Sure. Of the uh, but I, I do review them all to make sure nothing is like crazy controversial or egregious. Yeah. You know, but we just added a large number of writers, you know, and I still write, but uh, um, I'm writing more like, lighter stuff like identifying scams in the hydrogen water market you know like <laughs> test reports you know stuff that i can i can pay a lab to get done or, or do the testing myself record on video and then write the content in my sleep in you know an hour um you know like these, these biohacking reviews that i have fun with you know because i'm genuinely curious and i mean a lot of people I've been accused of saying, oh, why are you such a hater on all these devices by a couple of people who are in the biohacking industry? And I say, listen, 
I want these to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> right. This is why I'm interested. I really want this stuff to work. Yeah. But I'm also not going to take their word for it. You know, I, like right. show me evidence and show me the results. Yeah. You know? um, that I have no benefit to show this stuff doesn't work. Yeah. You're not, you're not, yeah, you're not. Uh... And I've already bought it. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, you're not making friends asking hard questions, right? You know, <laughs> fascinating. Well, I I do want to go back to uh, the benefits of hydrogen water and the delivery system that you've that you've really um, really grown because I am totally new to it and um, and I've never tried it and so I don't have I don't have the firsthand perspective of it. This is so fascinating. Let me just say that that I really enjoy the way that this conversation has gone. It's unlike. Uh, conversation I've had in a long time, which is open and honest. And, and Alex, I really like your style. Um, but I do want to talk, I do actually want to talk about the benefits of, of, uh, of drink HRW. So <laughs> and, uh, as my marketing team, you know, it starts hearing this podcast, they're going to be like, Oh, no, what are you doing? Like- <laughs> yeah. Like you have this amazing product that helps a ton of people. Please talk about the product. So, um, Basically, hydrogen itself, um, at, at first, you know, we, we thought it had no purpose in our body. You know, we produce liters of hydrogen gas a day. It's on all our cells at all, at all times, right? But for a long, long time throughout most of history, up until about 2007, we thought it was inert. It did nothing, right? You know, had no function or, or process in the body. Well, then we started having study after study showing there were these beneficial results from hydrogen. At first, it was thought that it was a novel antioxidant, which that was one of the first stories that shown to not be true, because in some cases, it can actually be a pro-oxidant, right? It, it more it regulates the redox status within our cells. You know, it, it's shown similar stuff, like in some studies, it, it can raise inflammation, and in others, it can blunt inflammation. You know, it's shown the same thing with autophagy, right? Like, it, it's basically shown to be this regulator. But... In, in almost all instances in, in the literature, now there's uh, 111 publications as of today, March 1st, 2021, um, in humans with hydrogen you know, therapy. And there's probably about 2,000 in, in animals. And in almost all instances, it has regulated our function back towards homeostasis. So kind of like harmony, right? You know, back, back to what it is. And, and what's really interesting is when, say, we put hydrogen on healthy cells, you know, no damage whatsoever. We just expose them to hydrogen, almost nothing, like nothing happens basically, right? You put hydrogen on damaged cells and that's when you see all these markers start to change, all these corrections start happening. Um, and and uh, additionally, when we expose, say, you know, a mouse to hydrogen 24 seven, there's no change, no benefit is incurred, right? But even if the dose is smaller, when we give them an acute blast, we see all these changes, right? So for humans, it's actually shown we need it, you know, um, and, and it's the same thing with, with mice, but you want a higher concentration and dose given intermittently acutely. Hmm. And it's this alteration in, in cellular concentrations for an acute period, maybe five minutes, 60 minutes, right? That That is showing to have all these changes in, in self and, you know, in genetics expression so i have started thinking about hydrogen as, as sort of you know a supervisor a regulator in our cells right um you know say you have a, a shoe factory right 
and one line is making laces and the other is making you know the tongue and the other is making the insoles and you know the other is making the lines well if too many laces are getting made all of a sudden they start piling up right or if not enough is made everything else starts piling up mm. it's kind of like the supervisor coming in and making sure all the lines are you know producing the right amount of everything because you know, people think antioxidants are good, but if you have too much antioxidants, that, that's not good. That, that's right. just homeostasis of our redox, right? Because certain oxidative stressors are, are and nitrosative stressors too are, are critical to cellular communication, right? Um, even think like one of the most important molecules in our body is a, a free radical nitrosative stress, nitric oxide, right? We right. don't want these overwhelming antioxidants. And in fact, that's why all, all the human research shows that high dose antioxidant therapy not only is not beneficial, but it can cause harm, hmm. right? It, it increases all cause mortality. It, it reduces, you know, makes outcomes worse in cancer patients. It can interfere with medications like, you know, cancer therapies, right? Well, hydrogen isn't that. And that's why I really try and correct a lot of companies that just talk about hydrogen and a powerful antioxidant. Uh, not only is that that laughable, because the reason hydrogen was a selective antioxidant, you know, in vitro studies, um, so like not in the living body, is because it's so weak. It bypasses most oxidative stresses, huh. only reacts with, with the hydroxyl radical and, and proxene hydrogen, right? Huh. It's not a powerful antioxidant. It's effective in vitro, right? Effective against the most damaging oxidative stressors, but in reality, Hydrogen seems to regulate, you know, certain, you know, oxidative stressors like um, H2O2, nitrosative stressors like, you know, nitric oxide are, are one study um, on uh, uh, hydrogen water and metabolic syndrome. It was a double blind placebo controlled uh, study, uh, six months and 60 people, and it reversed, like, basically all signs of metabolic syndrome that was effective in 18 of 20 measured outcomes. But uh, I think it was nitrites that, that were, you know, quite significant, you know, was one of the markers, right? Mm -hmm. So there's quite a bit of, of preclinical research showing that hydrogen seems to regulate and, uh, you know, various like nitric oxide, you know, function synthesis and such. So can you, can um, you think of it as like an adaptogen? Is it appropriate to think of it like that? Before we get his response, just one quick announcement from one of our sponsors, and then right back into the episode. This episode of the OPP is brought to you by Belcampo. Belcampo is the pioneer of hyper-sustainable, organic, grass-fed, and finished certified humane meats, broths, and jerkies. The company is on a mission to revolutionize the meat industry for the well-being of people, the planet, and animals by farming meat the right way with certified, humane, regenerative, and climate-positive practices, which means it's better for you it's better for the planet, and it's better for the animals. And frankly, it tastes better. This is the best tasting meat I've ever had in my entire life, hands down. This is not an exaggeration. I got a shipment right to my door earlier this week, and I was so excited to dig into it. I got bacon, I got ground beef, I got pork belly, I got chicken thighs, and it actually, it tastes incredible. It really does taste incredible. My family loves it, and I know that I'm delivering them nutrient-dense meats that are way better than anything that you're going to get from factory farming. They're healthy fats, uh, high in omega-3s, 5X, the good ones for you. 
That means that there is way more omega-3 fatty acids than conventional beef. It's an incredible company. It's an incredible product. And what you should do, you should take me up on this incredible offer. Go to belcampo.com and use the code OPP for 20% off. So stock up on the stuff that you know that you're going to eat. Take advantage uh, of this first time online offer. Go to belcampo.com and use the code OPP and get 20% off. I'm really picky with sponsors that I choose. And uh, uh, I love Belcampo. I love their products. Uh, how many times am I going to say it? Go to belcampo.com, use the code OPP, and uh, get yourself some meat. Now back to the episode. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, uh, that that really is what you want to call it. You want to be careful, though, because the word adaptogen is illegal with the FDA, right? <sighs> that you are not allowed to call something an adaptogen. So. Really? Like, I, you can't, nobody, nobody can use that term? It's, it's, yeah, the, the FDA has Jeez. come down on the word adaptogen a few times. Gee whiz. I really don't like saying that word, but. Um, oh, I said it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> and most adaptogens, we'll talk about like a couple processes here and there. Yeah. It seems to be wide ranging, right? And, and if we go back in time, molecular hydrogen has been integral for, for the development of our atmosphere, for yeah. life on this planet. Even our mitochondria you know, evolved from a hydrogen dependent organelle that, that utilized hydrogen as its energy source, right? Now within our body, our bacteria, some of it exhales hydrogen and some of it consumes hydrogen, hmm. right? So hydrogen is so important to us throughout evolution and throughout our, our bacteria, which we're realizing more and more, it is critical for our health, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think of it as even more than an adaptogen. I think hydrogen it is critical for a lot of functions and how we regulate and adapt, you know, to, to stress. And that's what we really see happening. And uh, say we're healthy, 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 and then something happens and knocks us off steam. Say we're eating too much shit and the processes in our body start changing or or dealing with tremendous, you know, physical or mental stress. So everything starts changing. Hydrogen just can, seems to come in when we give these blasts, right? It comes in and tweaks things back to, to being right. Awesome. And I think of it sort of as the same way. And this can explain why you need this high dose intermittent blast, not just continuous. Think about exercise. If you're just constantly on your feet working out all day long, yeah. you're actually going to be unhealthy. Sure. Right? And, right. You know, your hormone balance is going to be off. Right. Whereas if you're always sedentary, right, you're going to be unhealthy. Right. And everything goes wrong. It's that intermittent exercise where we, we strain ourselves for periods that helps basically reset a, a lot of our communication and keeps us strong and healthy. We seem to mean the same thing with hydrogen. Now you go through humans' evolution, right? I mean, eating various, you know, carbohydrates. You know, the carbohydrates get broken down by bacteria and our, you know, small intestines and produce hydrogen gas. Well, now we have this constant exposure. People usually eat the same diet all day long, every day after that. So we're getting this constant slow exposure of hydrogen. Think about us through through our hunter-gatherer stage. We were starving and then maybe we, we find a bunch of fruit or some grains or, or something and we eat it in a big blast. So our hydrogen exposure was going to be hmm. up, down, all over the map. Yeah, right. You know, and that up, down, you know, all over the map is seen 
seems to be what it is promoting these healthy outcomes. Mm, that's so cool. Oh, that's re- those are really great examples. That really does kind of put into perspective, even from dietary, the, the dietary example that you just gave. So then understanding your, your product and the, uh, well, the, the application, cause I, you know, it's not just the products that you carry on drinkhrw.com are not, you know, there's bath tablets and there's beauty products. What is, what is the most optimal way considering the sort of blast that you talk about? What's the best way to do, um, the, the tablets? It depends on the outcome you okay. know, you're looking for, right? Like if you, you, you know, broke a toe or, or sprained your ankle, you're probably going to want to do it topically because you're going to get a higher, like obviously hydrogen, it's a small molecule in the universe. So it's hand ceremony, right? So if you're submerging, you know, an injured limb or sore muscles, hmm. you're going to get a higher concentration going through your skin into those muscles into the, that damage area if you drink it. However, uh, if you drink the water, right, that's going to have the biggest interaction with, with your microbiome right you know mm-hmm. through your liver it's probably gonna have the biggest metabolic outcomes right so you know we still need to do a lot of work on knowing the perfect dose for the perfect person you know the perfect administration method should you be bathing in it for this drinking it for that inhaling it for this outcome right mm-hmm. you know or a mix of all of them, you know and, and yeah. um, you know that that's still unknown right now but anecdotally and from research trends it seems things like metabolic outcomes right it, it works better for hydrogen water you know um drinking it whereas muscle soreness and, and you know soft tissue injuries stuff like that topical seems to work better hmm. um, inhalation as of yet hasn't shown to work better than hydrogen water for any outcome right and it needs a much higher you know dosage that that could be because it's actually um inhaling at like a hundred times the dose will raise cellular concentrations similarly similarly to drinking at one one hundredth the dose and then if you're inhaling it's not interacting with your 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 gut right so there, there's that changes however inhalation has a lot of benefits um that uh it can be used on incapacitated patients hmm. you know patients that aren't conscious um also it does seem to have slightly different, you know, pharmacokinetics between drinking and inhalation. Sure. So there could be situations where inhalation is better. We just don't have enough data yet. Hmm. Fascinating. Oh my gosh. So cool. Um, man, time has flown by here in this conversation, Alex. This has just been so, so interesting. Um, what, what do people, I mean, what do people usually say? I mean, what are, what are, about the benefits? Like what's, what's the most common response that you get from people? It's like, Oh yeah, this is our, way better now. Yeah. Our two most, or actually our three, three most common. Um, so our most common is improved sleep. Right. And we, and back we have, to homeostasis, right? Yeah, we have multiple clinical trials that are either underway or reviewing data right now that are looking at sleep as an outcome. And a, a, a very major, like top 10 university in the United States has significant pre-critical sleep data on hydrogen, you know, mm. that's going to be published soon. So, cool. so far, the evidence appears to be in line with the anecdotes we get. Our second biggest anecdote um, is, uh, you know, regarding people just 
feel more energy when they're sleep deprived or, or really low on energy or get off the early morning flight. Um, we published our first study on, on uh, looking at hydrogen, comparing it to caffeine after 24 hour sleep deprivation last June. And they were equivalent, right? You know, a tablet was equivalent to 100 milligrams of caffeine, but they affected different parts of the test, something called the attention network test, right? So hydrogen was better at like orienting, you know? Um, so that was interesting. We did a follow-up clinical trial on that. That's actually um, submitted to, to peer review right now. So I have the data. It was really cool. Some really cool stuff with brain metabolism using fMRI, you know, and looking at, at say like um, hydrogen plus placebo, caffeine plus placebo, hydrogen plus caffeine, hmm. and then placebo, placebo, hmm. right? So there was four groups in a crossover manner. And, um, you know, it, it definitely appears that hydrogen and caffeine affect different regions of the brain, you know, and brain metabolism. And, and there was um, some cool complementary effects. So we hear that all the time. And now it's going to be back by two clinical trials, you know, a, a second one very well controlled. Um, third, and I mean, th this is, I mean, our best evidence right now is like metabolic stuff, you know, metabolic syndrome, MAPLD, but people don't feel that right away. That takes months. Improvements, but the third, like kind of like wow factor one we hear is for hangovers. Yeah, nice. And we actually have a really small pilot study. Um, actually, I'm writing it with a few researchers, but uh, it was double blind placebo control crossover, and it was very, very well controlled because it was done on myself and my wife. Right, <laughs> participants with hangover scales. You know, everything was sealed. Um, the placebo was, was super well done. You know, our placebo tablet gives the same amount of magnesium. It looks the same. It's that same, like, gray color. It, like, dissolves the same and moves the CO2 instead of hydrogen. Um, and then on top of that, just in case there's a slight difference that maybe I, I can subconsciously see, but not consciously, they're wrapped in tin foil. So, you know, when it unravels, you know, you can't even see the tablet drop. And there were two tablespoons of lemon juice added, so all we could taste was the lemon. Huh. Uh, we couldn't taste <laughs> between the hydrogen water and the carbonated water. Nice. Uh, but incredibly strong results in hangover, you know, wow. in, in our high alcohol group. Um, and some responses in our, our ordering down, you know, whether we had hydrogen or not, there were, there were clear differences. And that was a long study. That was over 18 drinking sessions you know, controlled alcohol and, and time. So even though it was just two people, it was a lot of. Sure. <laughs> cool. <laughs> he self-volunteered for that one, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, yeah, I got to choose for science. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Well, and, I, and one of the things too is it's hard to get researchers to do something that has no evidence, right? And to properly do a hangover study might cost 100000 200000 <laughs> right. you know, dollars. Like if I get researchers on board and like cover all the expenses to do it, Right. So I really want to see, I'm like, you know what? I think it works. We hear it every day. Like, yeah. wow, this stuff works for, you know, hangovers. We hear it all the time. Yeah. But we had no evidence, right? Yeah. So that's why it was the first little pilot. You know, um, my wife really didn't like that study because I controlled the exact amount, like to the milliliter that she could drink <laughs> every week for 18 weeks and we worked a lot of sip of alcohol any day but the assigned drinking day because we had <laughs> washout periods and all that stuff so interesting she said never again but 
<laughs> that's cool. good data out of it. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, Alex, I, I, um, this has been such a cool conversation, man. We, we did cover, we covered a wide swath. Um, I, I want to try it. Um, I want to try it. I'm going to, um, I, by now we'll have, um, you know, I will have mentioned the special offer and so forth, but, um, we'll, I'll make sure to cover that previously to this, to this portion of the episode, but, um, I, I can't wait to try it. I'm excited to, I've got a couple of things I'm, I'm working on, um, um, yeah, I, I, I hope this is the beginning of a, of, of, a you know, more conversations like these. Cause I, uh, I like the way that you approach thinking and research and, um, you know, it's obvious, obviously you're innovating on a whole bunch of levels. Um, where can people find you personally? Where can they find your products before I ask the final question? Yeah. So our website is drankhrw.com, right? So drank then HRW for hydrogen rich water.com. Um, it's the same thing on like Instagram with that drink HRW, right? Um, you can check us out on Instagram. We've got something like um, 40 or 50 pro athletes that endorse us now. Again, it was kind of the same thing. We have the same truth and transparency policy. We won't um, do a deal with a pro athlete unless they've been taking our product and can jump on the phone with us and explain the benefits they're seeing. Mm. So that's one of the, the big things that... I don't like the information it is kind of the influencer model that you know we get five ten solicitations a day sure. from athletes and influencers saying these are my rates would you like me to post about your product yeah and to me that i just don't like that at all so we've developed some good relationships with a handful of athletes starting with ones that i knew personally cool. uh, from days i was training a lot more and then actually it's just not spread like wild, wildfire through word of mouth they started telling their teammates their friends and you know, now we have all these pro athletes endorsing us, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, of course, it, you know, it's not perfect. Maybe they, they make up, they tell us what we want to hear, but we're doing our best to say, try the product for at least a month or two. Yeah. Give us honest feedback. You know, we, we only want to work with people who, who are taking it and seeing the benefit. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Okay. Well, before we wrap up, um, you know, I saved the, the last question. It's a fill in the blank question. It can be based on anything and everything that, you know, it doesn't have to be specific to, uh, hydrogen and rich water. Um, and you can elaborate as much or as little as you want. Uh, please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. I mean, I'd say how to think, right. Cause I, I think it's one of the biggest faults with, with our education is we're taught how to memorize things, but we're never really taught how to think, right? And, and I think proper analytical and critical thinking stop, starts with being critical of yourself and your own actions, right? You know, we, we shouldn't criticize others. We should first be thinking about how we think, how we came to the, our, our conclusions. Um, you know, people tend to we tend to react to something based on instinct and emotion, and then use our cognitive abilities to justify why we've had that initial reaction. So I think that's the key to solving a lot of the issues with the planet is teaching people how to think. Awesome. That is, that is definitely one of the more unique answers we've, we've gotten and I've done this hundreds of times. So that's so cool. Alex Tanarva, thank you so much for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks, Dan, for having me.
Awesome. That was great. This episode is brought to you by Natural Stacks. Have you ever had a really, really strong CBD? I mean, think about it. Have you ever had a CBD product where you're like, whoa, I noticed that. That feels amazing. Well, naturalstacksplus.com makes natural stacks, duh, makes omega CBD and dream CBD. And the omega is for daytime uses to reduce swelling and to increase uh, overall well-being. And dream CBD is specifically for, well, sleep, you can imagine. Um, Colorado-grown, full-spectrum CBD, lab-made and verified, absolutely like super high quality stuff. It's not something that I talk about here on this episode on this podcast very much, but I really dig it because it works because it's strong. Uh, some of the people that have taken it have said, you know, I've been using CBD dream for several months now and it truly does help me sleep better. Uh, quote, this has been helping me sleep every night since I started taking it. I wake up refreshed with zero grogginess. Uh, these are great products, and if you want to go check out Natural Stacks Plus, I don't even have a promo code, but uh, it's good. It's good shit, so you should go check it out. All right, see you on the internet.